Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Foreign Devs. My name is Victor. And I'm Yanni. And let's jump right to it. We talked tons of marketing in the previous episode, but this is Foreign Devs, so let's talk some development. Yanni, what you got for us? Whew. Uh, I guess I want to talk a little bit about that hack you had uh, a couple episodes ago. Oh, boy. Um, Still dealing with that. Any response? Nope. Any response? No, sir. Man. No response. I've uh, actually started a new uh, ticket, and about three or four hours after that, they merged that ticket with my original ticket, but I still haven't gotten an answer. However, my wife fixed it for us. This is crazy. I know. So sometimes I'll, I'll tell her about my programming problems and she'll look at me weird. But sometimes, just sometimes, she comes out of left field and gives me an idea and just blows it out of the water. So she's looking at me and I'm telling her about Mailgun and how they're not responding and how we're all hacked and we couldn't get through. And she says, can't you just make a new account? And I sat there for a minute and I said, I don't know. I guess I could. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, what's what's stopping you from just making a new account? And I said, well, you know, yeah, I guess it's running on a subdomain. I could just have another subdomain for my MX records. And like in my head, I'm running through like every possibility to be like, no, pff, of course you can't do that because da, 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 da. <laughs> nothing. I had nothing. So this was during lunch. I come home for lunch most most days, and so I drive back to work, and I get on my computer, and I'm like, you see, I'm going to run into an issue. They're going to have, <laughs> something's going to happen. I go on Mailgun, I make a new account, and I'm there, and I'm like, everything's working, and I register the new subdomain, and everything's still working. I'm like, unbelievable. After a week of waiting for them to respond, I've just fixed it. Basically, I, I didn't really fix it. You know what I mean? I still want my old account back, but at least we've got mailing lists. We've got all the features that we want because on a side note, on a sad note slash bad note, I tried to find somebody else, you know, and I, I spent a ton of time trying AWS, which they have the, the SES service. Um, I tried, um, what was that other one that I tried? Do you remember? Um, post something. Yeah, post something. Anyway, none of it was any good. Mailgun still kind of rocks at this, and my code is really kind of... I did discover I'm a little bit tied into Mailgun with some of the stuff that I have, you know, in terms of whenever somebody subscribes to the newsletter and how it calls out the API. So there may be an abstraction there that I need for the code base in general, but it just isn't worth the time now to spend doing that when really there was nothing wrong with Mailgun before, you know, we got hacked. So, although it yeah, is that's, unfortunate. That's, cons that's concerning to me, you know, as having multiple companies as paying customers of Mailgun and you being a pay paying customer that, uh, you know, you haven't received a response from support. Nothing, um, nothing at all. You know, especially considering that it's not just, a technical issue is also an account being compromised. The only thing that comes to mind is in this phishing scheme, if they got, you know, very widespread attacks and had thousands or tens of thousands of accounts compromised, um, that could, of course, overwhelm their support. But at least you'd expect to, hey, you know, we're running a bit behind. 
let us get back to you kind of message. We're working on this. Yeah, I'm definitely that, very, that is, very that is a bummer. Yeah, very, very disappointed with that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would have expected something from them, but I do understand that. So I, I, I've, what I've discovered through all of this is that Mailgun simply doesn't charge enough. At every other competitor that I looked at, they charge way more than Mailgun does. And so, you know, Mailgun gives you in their free account 50,000 emails a month. And unless you're doing almost daily newsletter blasts to 100,000 people, you know, mailing lists, 50,000 emails is actually quite a lot, right? We don't even come close to to 50,000 emails a month. So there is no real like base package because that's the free tier, right? And then you pay after that for for other additional services and dedicated IPs and stuff like that. So I've almost come to the realization that they don't charge enough and the support lacks, I guess. Well, and that always worries me when a company has, and I'm not saying Mailgun does, but a company has most of their uh, customers running on a free tier. Imagine if you had a hosting company, say DigitalOcean, if you had them um, giving away free hosting, you know, say, you know, so many gigs space, so much gigs RAM, um, you know, these droplets, they were free. I don't know how many uh, enterprise customers would utilize that solution just because of the ratio of support to customers. Um, it's just, it's, it is concerning. And I do agree there Mailgun, you know, I keep using it because I feel they have an excellent product. It works well. It's a great product. Um, and I wouldn't, you know, I don't think I'd mind paying more. And it's funny with that, uh, when, when very uh, Laravel Vapor was introduced, there were a lot of complaints about how much it was going to cost for certain things, et cetera, and some complaints even about the pricing of Vapor itself as a service. And, you know, for each each project I'm working on, I see it as a complete bargain. But I guess there's, you know, and it's funny that I say that having complained uh, just a few episodes ago. Yeah, about I know. I was, about to, industry. I was about to say that. <laughs> but... In decisions like that, you know, where I have control, you know, it's a no-brainer. I think it's uh, it's a steal for what it's priced at. And I do feel a lot of the web services we utilize are are priced extremely well. Yeah, I think DigitalOcean is, is a great example of that. I mean, their $5 tier can run a pretty serious site. I mean... Oh, yeah. And let me, let, me, let, me, let me interrupt here. We are not sponsored by anyone. Nope. The companies we name, you know, nope. that we've named in all these episodes, yep. we're not making any money on. Nope. There's no proceeds, nothing. Zero. Uh, we don't have a single sponsor. We are open. We just, uh, <laughs> we're, we're open, but... No, these are companies we, we uh, truly do use. I mean, they, we've been paying customers of theirs for years, you know, prior to, to this. And, you know, DigitalOcean, we've... Oof, that's probably a long time. Even before Laravel, we used DigitalOcean, yep. right? So this is long time coming the five dollar tier really is really good honestly truthfully i mean I, there's 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 a lot of projects that i've ran on that five dollar droplet with zero problems you know it's you need quite a bit of traffic to really bog down that five dollar droplet you know oh yeah yeah and uh you know back back when i started with them there were only a few options in terms of droplets and they've become so scalable over the years now 
some of the existing projects I've just been able to, with their resizing tool, just uh, drop down to even cheaper tiers and just makes a lot of sense. But uh, I think that's a great really... example. I think that's a great example too of sort of how two products can coexist and one not eat the other. Because I mean, AWS obviously is the big dog in in computing power, right? I'm paying for this, but DigitalOcean does very well, I'm sure. Just... Oh, yeah. And uh, there's actually an article I meant to dive in today, um, read-wise, um, regarding the history of the company and and uh, just how well they've done. I didn't get into it, didn't find the time for it. But uh, yeah, they've grown a lot. Uh, and AWS-wise, you know, love the tools we have there. And oh, goodness. I'm diving into <laughs> some... Um, some machine learning and so forth for uh, some projections, uh, sales, inventory, so forth. But um, man, AWS has perfected making documentation very difficult. Awful. So the if worst. there's one one really outstanding thing about Laravel, it's the documentation. Right. Uh, and I think it gets taken for granted very often. But... AWS, don't, don't even bother with it. No. Go on Stack Overflow, mm-hmm. find someone who's gone through the same thing. Yep. And, Hopefully um, somebody has. <laughs> yeah. It is, yeah. AWS is literally the best, worst thing in the world. It is It is absolutely phenomenal for everything they do. Their services are awesome. They're all, everything they offer is just top notch. Speed is great. Pricing is considerably okay, considering what you're getting. Implementing something, it is the worst developer experience of anything I do. And this is very fresh in my mind with the with their simple, what they call their simple email service, the SES service. It is not simple at all. I mean, I was set up, I, I, I tried to do an SES um, a, uh, you know, service to try to get what I needed done in about 12, probably 12 hours worth of work. Couldn't get it to work 100%. And I set up a Mailgun account in about 20 minutes that did all of that. So and I find myself doing that, you know, with so many things and even uh, some GCP um, uh, services. It's just so much easier to set up certain things that it's like, you know what, let's let's mix and match here. Um, but yeah, AWS, it's a tough one on certain things. And that's that's where Vapor shines, you know. We complained about that for years, yep. And now there's a solution to a huge part of it uh, for us Letterville developers. So yeah, at least to take uh, advantage of that power because that power is there at anybody's disposable. It's disposal. Yep. You know, it's there. It's ready for you to use it. You can tap into this incredible infrastructure that you could have never dreamt of having before, right? So literally, if you can imagine it, you can build it in AWS, but. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, their developer experience is awful. It is really bad, for sure. Yep. So uh, I'd love to hear what you're working on or any new development projects, but uh, with Hacktoberfest here, I accidentally knocked out um, my required you know, PR account with a new latest relation uh, macro that I did for Laravel. So um, if anyone saw this this year, the 2019 uh, Laracon presentation from Jonathan Rennick, he um, 
he talked about subqueries and using them for, say, the latest latest record of a has-many relationship. And his solution is outstanding. It works great. It is. but uh, Definitely far better than what, what we had before. Oh, yeah. But for what I needed, I needed to apply dynamic scopes on, uh, dynamic query scopes on, on these latest relationships. And it just didn't fit the bill there. And I had actually reached out to him on uh, Twitter, but just didn't hear back. And uh, it's like the uh, debug duck type of situation where you start thinking about it, you start coming up with your own solutions while you wait to hear back. <laughs> and uh, so I, I implemented first a, uh, a macro I did that works where, well. So you could just do where latest, the relationship name. All right, so um, ex- before we go on, explain exactly what you were trying to do so we were all on the same page here. So you were, okay. what do you mean by Fair latest enough. record? So say you have a user's users model or user model and you have a separate login model that records all the logins for a user. Okay. You following me? Yep. So a user will have many logins. Right. Now, say you want to filter by users where their last login was from a mobile device. Okay. So quickly thinking you're going to do like a where has, you know, order by, order by created at or something like that. Yeah. Unfortunately, it just doesn't work. It should, but it just doesn't uh, right out of the box. And uh, so Jonathan's macro works here. But if you want to expand upon that, you know, apply dynamic uh, scopes, it falls short there because it's it's not actually uh, really doing a... Uh, it's not eloquent, right? It's it's direct yeah. DB queries at that point? Yeah, well, no, he, he, that's what I'm going for. Okay. That's, uh, he's, he's doing, basically you'd be doing any scopes on the collection side. Right. But, um, so anyways, just wanted to, wanted to push it forward and come up with a solution. Uh, I wrote a macro where you could just have literally users where latest logins as the first parameter. Second one would be device type for the column you're trying to get. Third one would be mobile. So now you're getting the users where the last login is from a mobile device. And it works, but it just wasn't quick. Um, Scalable, but again, just not quick. So I started thinking about it. And I remember in one of the previous No Plans to Merge episodes, Caleb's talking about MySQL views. And it was a new concept to me. I had never, ever even come across them. But he talked about how they're generated tables. and I think he used some calculation examples, but I started thinking, hey, you know, maybe this could could work where I'm grabbing the max ID of the login related to the user. And um, looked into a bit, there were a few examples, but basically it takes about two minutes to set up and lightning fast. Because what we're doing is we're creating an intermediate table between users and logins called last login in this example. And right. we're creating a model for it. Right. So then we're able to do has many or sorry has one through for the relationship on users, and it just works, it works perfectly. Perfect. It's a little bit of a setup. Right. I might put together a package on uh, with a migration and a relationship generator as an artisan command, but uh, I just couldn't believe the speed difference there. 
and I've got a whole article on it on the nullthoughts.com. You but, know that, um, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that databases are really good at doing that stuff. PHP, yep. not as good. And so it's all about utilizing the tool, the right tool for the job. And in this case, data manipulation, that's what databases do. That's what they're optimized to do. And that's what they do. You know, PHP, yeah. it, it's great at other things, but not great at that. Yeah, just when I saw, you know, when I spent that time on the different uh, macros and testing it out, doing the subqueries, and I saw, you know, my my results were taking seconds. You know, a thousand results were taking you know, three seconds almost. It, it, it's, it was a bummer. Yeah, but I feel like a lot of people... Out comes some great solutions. Right. I mean, uh, right there, you'd, you would have reached for caching or something, you know, instead of maybe diving oh, deeper, it, yeah. and, you know, and... And really trying to figure out why that query was not, or finding a solution, you know. But it's, it's great, great to hear that you got something. Because next time I have a problem, I'm just gonna call you and be like, "What was that again that you did? <laughs> I need to use that." Yep. So, what about you, development wise? What have you been working on? Well, I've been trying to upgrade uh, my main main work project to level six, and okay, I've ran into a an issue that I know exists. And that I can completely understand why it exists to begin with, but it's still, there is no great solution. And maybe together we can come up with a great solution, but maybe not. But it is abandoned packages. So, you know, you're going through your development and you find great packages that are relevant. But if your project has lived long enough, you know, your Laravel project and you use this package there's a good chance that at least one of the packages that you've used, those repos are now abandoned, right? And you see last commit was three years ago or two <laughs> years ago. And I submitted a pull request for two of the packages that I use. One of them is actually, funny enough, the not the official Mailgun PHP library, but the official PHP Laravel Mailgun uh, package. And okay. basically it was it, the, the pull request sat there for three weeks. And today, just today, I got an email notification. Hey, your pull request um, got merged. And I was just thinking, wow, this is incredible. And this is, by the way, if you, if you looked through the Mailgun, doc, Mailgun documentation, this is the package that they recommend. And when you look at the last commit date was three years ago for this particular package. And I ran into the same issue with another package um, that I was using for creating, um, was it XML output something? It was it was one of those like one-off packages and I found a great one. And again, had no commits for two years. Nothing, package hasn't moved, no one's maintaining it. And all I needed to do was make sure that they updated the package.json because the, the package will still work, right? But when something like Laravel 6 comes out, now, the compatibility issues have stopped me from being able to upgrade to level six because their package.json file doesn't have, um, you know, the the correct level version or, or or illuminate support, whatever the, the the packages that they're using, and so Composer won't update. So I've been stuck, and I'm still stuck. I still got I think one or maybe two more packages that I've submitted pull requests for or have asked them to, or somebody has already submitted a pull request, and I would go in there and be like, please, you know, push this through, you know, but it's, you know, open source. I mean, I can totally understand how somebody could abandon a package, you know, and when you go to the the, the original author's GitHub account, 
you could see they haven't been programming, right? There's literally no boxes filled out. They've done three commits in the past year. And yep. so there's, there's no hope. There's no hope there. But again, there is no solution either because if, say, this, I would have offered to take over these packages. I don't mind. I'll take over them. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll pull the repo in and change ownership and we'll go on. But there's no, like, please take this package away from me, you know, helpline that they can call or that you can reach. And does, does that make sense? I mean, I think that, that would be yep. like, a, like a solution. So, I feel like I come across this with every uh, major release of Laravel. And now what's happening with the new semantic versioning is, you know, I'm getting Laravel news and I see, okay, you know, 6.3 is Does out. Does that still I'm, freak you out? It freaks, I, I, it freaks I me out. Anxiety here. It freaks me out so, so bad. Behind. They're like, oh, I'm in 6.3. I'm like, oh my God, they're in Laravel 6.3. Yeah. Same exact thing here. <laughs> but, um, and just forking, you know, overriding the repo as a private repo uh, in your in your project. Yep. Um, it just always feels like a dirty version because dirty. then months later so you dirty. come back to yeah, it yeah. and now you have to adapt to if others did bring that project up to date, that original original project, original package. Yeah, that's um, dirty. I don't, I do not, I, I've, a couple of the packages, somebody was saying, well, I, you know, I forked it and I fixed it and just use mine instead. But, yep. you know, is that person going to continue to, you know, update, oh, yeah, yeah, maintain that package or not? I mean, it's like, well, already, this is like replacing bad with bad. It's, it's, this is not fixing my issue. This fork, I don't know how long this fork is going to be maintained for. But yeah. again, there's no real solution though, because, you know, there's, I guess you could reach out to the author somehow and say, hey, I'll, I'd like to take over this one package. But then everybody that is still pulling in from, I, like, I don't know how that would work, right? Because everybody is still pulling in from that namespace, from that author, right? And I can't commit to that author's GitHub account. Or I wouldn't want to, right? I'd, I'd want to get credit for that. So how would you notify everybody that uses that package? Hey, stop using this repo. Use this repo instead for the latest package. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And actually, it, this is going off on a completely different tangent. But I love it. Let's adaptive do it. Cruise. Adaptive cruise control. <laughs> yep, You're familiar cars. with that, right? Um, yep, absolutely. Okay. Hate, so love it. Adaptive cruise. Yeah. So I've, <laughs> depending on the vehicle, you know, I've started to become accustomed to it. And now when I get into cars that don't have it, it's a little, again, produces anxiety because the car just doesn't slow down when right. someone uh, cuts right. in front of you or so forth. Right, right, right. But what drives me nuts is I haven't yet seen a vehicle or found an option to enable that. When you're in traffic, say a long highway stretch, you know, taking a long trip, where when a vehicle starts to slowly slow down in front of you to where you don't notice it, uh, just because if it is a such a gradual slowdown, right, right, uh, you go all of a sudden from going eighty, right, all of a sudden you're going sixty-one, yeah, yeah, and, and, and you like, didn't even notice it. I know. Yeah, so you know, I was thinking about it. Um, with one of my vehicles, I wonder if I could get the cruise set uh, speed or velocity uh, for over uh, the onboard diagnostics, and I could also get so I could get the set speed and the current speed, and basically put together a little program where I would flash light or something. Um, but I start thinking about these things, and I'm like, they're so easy to implement, you know, 
for the manufacturer, why isn't it there? Uh, even as a buried, you know, feature somewhere that you could turn on. Right. But, um, yeah, well, you know, yeah, going, uh, going along with that. So the one that I've driven the most with, with the adaptive control was a Toyota truck that had it. Okay. And it was great most of the time. So I found two big flaws with it. The first one is that when you are in the highway and there's a, a, a hard-ish turn, it confuses, like say you're in the inside lane and you're turning right, it confuses the cars that are on the outside lane for your lane cars. So it would slow down the truck on when we were on a curve, right? Like basically turning. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yep. Because the camera was still kind of pointing towards the cars that were in the other lane. So I was getting slowed down because it looked like I was about to hit a car. But it wasn't. It was just that we were all turning right at the same time. So that was the that was the first big flaw that I found. And then the second flaw that I found with it was that about so this was, I was in a really, really long drive, about 600 miles, about 400 miles in, it just stopped working altogether. Ooh. And there was no way of it. it just, well, when it stops working, it falls back to just your regular you know, blind cruise control, what you're used to, right? It doesn't do the adaptive anymore. And it turns out it had rained. And I guess a, a drop fell in the camera, the sensor in the front, maybe dried up or something, or it was just dirty. Confused it. And it confused the crap out of it. And it just did not work the rest of the trip. So wow. that was two things that I ran into. But, you know, this is a, and this is a brand new, you know, 2019 Toyota Tundra. This isn't, you know, limited, whatever their top of the line is. And, I ran into that issue and I was pulling a trailer, but that was very awesome that I was pulling a trailer. And the nice thing with it, and I really, really liked it because of this feature is we were caravanning. So we were all, there was about three trucks. All of us had boats and trailers. And the nice thing with it was just because we were all kind of together. I didn't care if I was at the end, right? So I didn't care if they were going 60, I was going to go 60 anyway, because I was with them. So it was almost like autopilot, to be honest with you, because I was just going whatever speed they were going in, and that's why I really liked it. And then when it shut off, I was really disappointed. <laughs> yeah, you know, autopilot. Uh, I gotta say, in the new Volvos, um, you know, we have a we have a 2019 the new body style S60, and just the autopilot. It adaptive cruise is great, but the autopilot, the steering assist. Um, where it's like, actually like, like basically, lane keep it's not a no it's it's so lane keep assist kind of keeps you balanced in the lanes you know uh right tries to prevent you from going out but this actually is trying to do what the teslas are self-driving but it just it hugs one edge of the lane or the other mm. and it's a little bit jerky i'm not that's annoying comfortable with it yeah it's um, annoying. it just makes you look like a rookie on the road yeah um so yeah, just uh, I do hope that technology, you know, develops, and I'm glad to see everything that's come so far. Oh, it will um, absolutely, and it's probably powered by AWS. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who knows? No, but you know, really, thing, going, yeah. I mean, going just to finish up the other topic. I mean, just abandoned packages. They we need as a community. We need to fix this. We need to find a way to support each other. And you need that blinking LED that yeah, tells you things are slowing the, down. You're yeah. not, a, you're not, you know, moving at that same pace. Yeah. And, and, you know, we, that's the whole point of open source is that we're all in it and we're all sharing code. But when you start to depend on somebody else's package and it's not being maintained, 
there needs to be a way for us to pass on the torch and it's okay. I, I you know, it's, I'm not so offended. So how about this? You set up some uh, Travis CI testing in a, a public package of mine uh, where it tells you if it passes the test, you know, everyone's familiar with those badges. What if there was a way to, and there, this might already exist, where it was a Laravel specific or whatever the platform is out there, whatever the framework is, library is, that your package applies to. So say Laravel, uh, it would tell you, you know, which versions of Laravel the package is compatible with just based on the tests. And maybe something like... Well, I don't think it even uh, needs to look at the test, actually. If it just looks at the composer.json file, it would know what Laravel versions are compatible. Yeah, and I mean, that's pretty simple, but it could also just, uh, you know, force run a test on there. Um, one thing interesting that I recently used was uh, Laravel Shift uh, JMAX test generator. Uh, for a project, I just wanted to quickly generate you know, a lot of controllers that needed backfilling. I wanted to generate a lot of tests for them or all the applicable tests. And that was a great solution. You know, it uh, gave it access to the repo. It creates a new branch for you with all these new tests, you know, pretty well documented. And um, yeah, I mean, that that kind of tool where it uh, assists and uh, supplements your code I found that pretty useful. Yeah, 100%. So maybe maybe yeah. there's, you know, using that kind of shift logic where we know what changed between Laravel versions. Um, you know, these packages could have dynamically generated uh, branches, you know, with a rough idea on how the code could work. Yeah. You know, that's not what I thought you were going to say. What I thought you were going to say is, is is almost like a different, completely different idea, but could also be be good. Talking sure. about abandoned packages, you know, maybe there shall be, you know, a badge, you know, that almost says like, you know, developers wanted or, you know, take over wanted, you know, if you want to take over this repo and make it your own. And then maybe some sort of composer, uh, you know how we had package auto discovery under the Laravel composer key, yep, right? So yep. inside your composer, it's, it's a Laravel key that you can use, right? And you, de you declare what your package has so that it auto discovers it. Something like that, but that it would generate- well, it would auto discover the- The new repo. Know, new, yep. The new repo and almost just seamlessly actually be pulling from the newer one and maybe give you a warning when you do composer up there, composer install, hey, you- we're actually going to be pulling off of this repo, this one that you're pulling from. That's the old one. Here's the new one. If you want to change it, you can. If not, we're still going to pull from the new one. So like a continuation where automatically just sim links to the newer repo. I don't know. Yeah. Just a crazy idea. But again, the abandoned packages thing has been killing me with the Laravel 6 because there's every single package had to be updated, right? So that's it's very obvious when there's a new Laravel version, like you said earlier, because... Well, you can't upgrade until you or your packages upgrade. Yeah. So what do you think, Yanni? Oh, it requires some some yeah. thought for sure. I know. But hopefully I know. there's someone listening who has some ideas and Well, let's get know, together. With let's any, do it. It, it. Yeah. With any of our topics, feel free to reach out. Yeah. You know, let's uh, let's hit me do up it. on Twitter. Victor's on Twitter or Coder's Tapes on Twitter or yep. you know, reach out any means. We'll uh facilitate 
the uh, the way you want to communicate. Yeah. So because we're good marketers, as we discovered in the previous episode. <laughs> yep. Yep. All right, man. So, yeah, let's call it. I think this is a good episode. I enjoyed it. That's good. I had one. a good time. Yeah. I had a good time. I wish I didn't have abandoned right. packages and my mailgun account was hacked still, but hey, you know, it happens. Yeah. It gives us topics for you the know, next one. <laughs> you know what we need to do? We need to create a Twitter profile for foreign devs. Okay. So let's uh let's put I'm, that on the to do list and I'm, before I'm cool that, that let's actually make a to do list. Oh yeah. We, yeah, I was gonna say that we have one of those. No. On that note, thank you so much for listening. I'm Victor. I'm Yanni. See you later. Bye-bye.